All right, that was quick. KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, and music of the world. It is more than radio. It is your community radio. KOPN, 89.5 FM, and streaming live on the web at kopn.org. It is just a minute or so before 9 o'clock on Friday, the 1st of June. First Friday, as it were. And welcome to the program. You are listening to Open Mic Radio. And uh, this is a one-hour program every Friday morning where we talk to local, regional musicians, artists, and uh, uh, just people kind of in and around uh, this part of the country. Today, my guest is Bartholomew Bean. He will be with me here in the studio in just uh, just a few minutes. But before we get to that, let me take care of a little business here. Um, Tune in Monday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. for the Real Deal Country Show with host Woody Adkins. If you love classic and traditional country music, the kind you rarely hear on commercial country radio stations, you'll love the Real Deal Country Show. It's uh, right here on KOPN 89.5 FM, Mondays 3 to 5 p.m. Fantastic program. Woody's a great guy and a great radio host and plays some fantastic music. So if you like that kind of stuff, definitely check out Woody's show on Monday. And uh, what else? Uh, Speaking of things coming up, we have KOPN's Pledge Drive. Our summer pledge drive will begin this Monday as well. And uh, that's June the 4th um, through June the 10th. So in the next week or so, week and a half, reach into your heart and your pocketbook and um, support local community Radio, KOPN, 89.5 FM, and you can donate uh, securely on the web as well. You can do that anytime. You don't have to wait for a pledge drive, uh, although we do have one coming up in just a few days, but uh, you can you can always donate to KOPN uh, whenever you choose and whenever it feels, feels good to you, all right? Okay, I'm going to play a piece of music here by um, Mr. Bartholomew Bean, and then he's going to come in here and get settled down, but we're running a couple minutes late, so let's... Uh, Let's find a song here. This one is called, I think it's called Ruben Play Your Banjo. This is Bartholomew Bean on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. Playing on that old banjo Well, Ruben, you can play 
or banjo all night long. We've been waiting all your life just to hear you sing your songs. Well, Reuben, you can play your banjo all night long. We'll be sitting around the fire just in case we can play along. All right, that was Bartholomew Bean. And you're listening to it here on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. Speaking of the man, I got him right here in the radio station studio like I had many years before. It's a deja vu. Bean, how you doing, man? Okay. Let's see, where are you at? You are on this mic. Sorry about that. Say hello, Bart. Hello. A little bit closer to your microphone, if you don't mind. All right, should I bring it out? You can bring it out, and and I can turn it up, too, so. Yeah, how's that? That's not too bad. so, uh, for people who are unfamiliar, Bartholomew Bean is a local, regional uh, musician, artist. Uh, I consider you like a troubadour. That's the way I always kind of describe you, because he travels around uh, the country and plays music and uh, tells stories and, uh, in generally, uh, generally speaking, brings bring some light along with them uh, along the way so uh, it's great to have you back here in the studio bart hey it's nice to be here what uh, what's been going on these days well uh just trying to prep for summer and uh sometimes i get get to put in a garden and i think i'm gonna try that again even though it's getting kind of late in the season but uh i usually plant late gardens yeah you're quite a farmer i i, I remember are you still making wine i do make wine on occasions yeah i enjoy doing that well, I haven't had any uh, of your wine in a couple of years. I remember back, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, you were making uh, a wine that was sort of ha- had a little bit of note around the region. It was unique in the sense that you were making it out of tomatoes, if I remember correctly, but it was also had a little bite to it. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was a tomato-based wine, and but it was uh, seasoned with uh, the habanero pepper. Habanero, that's what it was. So that kind of that gave it gave it a distinction that everybody remembered well yeah there, there, there was a summer or, or a year or so where a lot of people were talking about that wine actually it was yeah people were uh, 
they, uh, I think they were enjoying being surprised by a little bit of a spice. There. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but I'm glad they were. I'm glad it was good. I mean, it, it seems like everybody uh, appreciated it, so I appreciate that. That was good news. All right. Well, it is Friday, the 1st of June. It's First Friday, and um, I really hadn't thought about it before we came on the air, but there's a lot of music and a lot of uh, entertaining going on in the Columbia area tonight and around town. Are you familiar with First Friday? Have you ever been hanging around for that? I have, yes. Are you uh, going to be out tonight? That's. I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, I think so, I think so too. Uh, hey, before we get going, too, I want to say thanks to Ruth and Jeff, uh, Ruth Acuff and Jeff Mueller, who were here last week, and we had a nice conversation and got to listen to some uh, of their diverse uh, catalog of music from from over the years, some old stuff and then uh, some new stuff too. But uh, you know, I know you've known Ruth and Jeff for a long time. And I have, yes. Both fantastic musicians and cool Indeed. people. So, all right. So uh, today, though, we got you in the studio. So I'm going to have you play a couple songs for us, and then I want to do sort of a proper interview, and um, I want to talk a little bit about your back, you know, your background, and uh, who you are, and where you come from, and how you kind of got got the way you are. All right. Sure. But I'll let you start off with something, uh, anything you like. Uh, pick a song for us, and yeah, and I, these are I, I have have a couple recent songs that kind of have come into into. Uh, fruition I guess you could say but um, this um, this first this uh, first little song is called uh, it was an experience on Paris Road one day a year ago and uh, and it's called uh, the girl in the lime green pickup <laughs> all right great everybody this is Bartholomew Bean on KOPN Columbia upon the roadway The moment was truly set for something demoniac At a distant glance My attention shifted sideways To catch a lime green pickup And a woman with a flip in her hair the windshield framed her face How so regal was her poise As she drove her lime green pickup With the tips of her fingers And the twinkle of her toe.
sideways glance A curious second When our lives did dance Merits the instant To take a chance Or a blur of a short And so my life in that moment has been touched by a happenstance, if one would consider it as such. When a lime green pickup and a beautiful face did cast a spell in a moment. Oh, grace Oh, how elegant The windshield framed her face How so regal Was her poise As she drove A lime green pickup the tips of her fingers and the twinkle of her toes. My, my my private Friday morning concerts. These are great. Uh, Bart, thank you very much. What's the name of that one? Lime Green Pickup. Yeah, uh, the, girl, the woman in Lime Green Pickup. Mm -hmm. And that's a relatively new song? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you've been writing songs uh, for how long? Oh, since the 60s. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, half a decade. The Beatles, you know, the, you, know you hear about people have, opening your third eye, right? Yeah. Your third eye. Well, the Beatles opened my third ear. They <laughs> got me into the mood of, well, it made me realize that I had an interest in music. Well, it's as they did many people. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, and, and to this day, <laughs> I, I still I'm stunned by uh, how the music of the Beatles manages time. You know, I mean, 50 years later, and that that stuff is still as solid as ever. My, uh, you know, my my two boys are kind of grown up into the world, and they. They listen to the Beatles, and I think they like the songs as much as I did when I was a kid. I think that was a true phenomenon. And I'm really certainly was something like something special. The, in fact, uh, I always wondered how, because that was during the Cold War, of course, and we were all strung out on fear of other people attacking, you know, like the Russians. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. seemingly still are for some reason. Um, but I always wondered uh, if their music. You know, in fact, you know, we got into the USSR and all so on and so forth. We met a woman through a musical organization who traveled to Russia in mm -hmm. 76 and 78. Ju Julia Dunsworth, I believe her name was. Mm -hmm. She said that she was uh, asked to come and visit a janitor in the place she was staying when she first went over there in 76. And, uh, of course, they couldn't really do it legally, but she got the address and went over to his family and they... 
had dinner together, and he saw she had her had her guitar case, so he invited her to come over and bring her, bring your guitar, you know. Yeah. So, so she went over and had dinner with his family, and they then after dinner they couldn't speak each other's language, but they sat around and played Beatles songs. <laughs> so it did make it over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think now these days, uh, after this many years, if you're if you're a music fan anywhere in the world and you're not familiar with the Beatles, I'm I'm not sure where where that might uh, might occur, but. Um, were you, uh, did you have music in your family? Were your parents musical at all? Or? Yeah, my, my father, uh, his family uh, was rural farm, Missouri farm family, and everybody, I mean, it seems like people not having TVs back then played instruments, and he, uh, he and his sisters uh, actually sang at a, a alumni banquet one time, and there was a photograph of, the, of them all together singing for one of the, for one of the you know the gathering the of the high school reunion <laughs> right. things and um, and I, the other thing i recall was a uh, growing when i was young he he had played in a local group there and they the, you know do songs like mr sandman and things <laughs> in the 50s you know right and uh, and i had an older relative uh, an older cousin that said that she remembered when she went to high school she would probably the same time period. She would walk downtown, and they would hear them rehearsing in the local garage down. The, so they were like a, a garage band before, but it was like a commercial garage. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what, uh, what what part of Missouri were you born? Uh, in, I was in uh, Northeast Missouri, in the little town I'm from. It's called Gorin. Gorin. Mm-hmm. Huh. And uh, the home of Ella Ewing, who was a Missouri's gentle giantess. The, the tallest early. woman in the history of the world or something like well, that, right? I imagine there have been other equally as tall, but at that time period, she was known, you know, and she was from that area. And uh, and also, at the same time period, although people didn't really find out about her until much later, a woman named Sedona Miller hmm. married a fellow from Memphis, and uh, Mr. Schnibley, and they moved out to Arizona to set up a trading post. And that became Sedona, Arizona. Is that right? Yeah. So Sedona, Arizona was based or was named off of a woman who's from your part of the woods. Right. You came from the same town. I'll be darned. You ever been out there? I have before I knew anything about that. I mean, uh, I heard about it through friends who heard it from Paul Harvey. <laughs> and that's just how that's just how it is when you're in, in a local area and there could be somebody who like, you know changed the world and you didn't you know and then right. but nobody knows it there because it's local <laughs> it's weird there's a lot, a lot of stories like that names that there, are unfamiliar are. to a lot of people and it's like wow that that person woman man i mean and so many that are unfamiliar to most people but really had a remarkable role somewhere in history you know yeah, they did yes and I, I i i'm surprised i mean i think it's the same with every part of our country but I do know that you know you come up with names from Missouri, mm. and that's it's nice to be a Missourian. <laughs> yeah, I might as well consider myself one. After all these years, I've been here for almost twenty years now, and whether I was born here or not, I certainly consider myself part of this place now. It's very closely related to being an Earthling. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you've got some songs about being an Earthling. Why don't you uh, why don't you pick another one for us here, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Okay, this is a uh, another relatively fresh one, and uh, and uh, I'd like to do. I did uh, did this on Jackie's show too. I did both these songs at Jackie's show. Which one? Jackie does a lot of things. Uh, 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 Sunday morning. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, once again, Bartholomew Bean on Open Mic Radio, and uh, 
Uh, Bart, thanks for coming down and playing some songs for us. Oh, my pleasure. All right, here we go. history of the people, the humans who were slaves to the pharaohs, czars, and kings, those who did the work, those whose toil and labor did raise up from the earth with livestock, food, and drink, but of all the work demanded, well, hemp, it was hardship, the toil required for Cordage was tenfold that of food. The scythe, the hardened stem, was a challenge for the strongest. To gather up the harvest, the clan would become the crew. All the bundles of cut stalks were carried by the children carried by the women, were carried by the men. The skin embraced by resins and their lung breathed there with pollen as they moved the bundle tent to be laid out in the glen. And of all the work we demanded, well, hemp it was hardship. The toil required for fiber was tenfold than a food. Beside the hardened stems was a struggle for the strongest. To gather up harvest, the tribe became the crew. sun would dry the hemp stalks and then the rain and dew would wet them left out in the open so the pulp would come unglued so when the stalks were weathered and the pulp was proper retted the moment came many bundles were gathered by the few and of all the task demanded will hemp it was a hardship. The toil required for fiber was tenfold that of food. Beside the hardened stems was a struggle for the strongest. To gather up the harvest, the hamlet became the crew. And now the time has come when all workers draw together. The breaker boards were utilized to crush the weathered stems. Countless hands now thrashing like a group of people dancing, flailing the strands of hemp against an oaken fence. And of all the work demanded, well, hemp 
was a hardship. The toil required for corkage was tenfold than a food. Beside the hardened stems was a struggle for the strongest to gather up the harvest. The village became the fruit. Well, the seeds had all been gathered, and the pulp was saved paper. The lungs of all the workers were laced with dust of hemp. The seeds were pressed for oil, and their hulls were ground in flour. The strands of woven fiber became rope from labor spent. And the smallest stems were made into threads then used for sailcloth garments worn by most everyone save the pope the seed buds were collected while green and used for healing the leaves and buds were eaten raw healing young and the aging old Many thousands of years, humans worked in all the hemp fields. Sailcloth cord and rigging were demanded to claim the globe. But the people's lives were blessed by hemp's presence in their families. And today we find our bodies are woven within hemp's soul. So the history of hemp is the history of the humans do so long to know again it's lovely song a song that yearns to show us and to fill us with its wholeness one of nature's true medicines that's been given to us all a song that yearns to show us and to fill us with its wholeness one of nature's true medicines that's been given to us all Very nice. Thank you, sir. Bartholomew Bean in the house here in the studio, KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. And uh, I would like to thank, actually, KOPN thanks Donut Delight for including us in their celebration of National Donut Day today. Glazed cake and filled-to-order Long John's and Bismarck Donuts are available today and every day at Donut Delight, located at 1301 Vandiver Drive in Columbia. And there are some donuts out there in the green room. And I, I that. Oh, man, I had one a little bit ago. It would be yummy. Very nice. Thank you to Donut Delight for the donuts and for being a great sponsor here. Okay, uh, Bean, um, tell me a little bit about that song, obviously inspired by the, uh, the ancient uh, historical plant hemp. Yeah, you know, years ago when uh, Nixon tried to get research against hemp they kept coming up with positives instead of negatives <laughs> right. and he did that twice i think third time they pushed it through and then they got it you know criminally registered because uh, but at any rate um so i just thought you know okay well that's it sounds good but you know it, it's just the whole uh, atmosphere about marijuana and stuff was so weird and so mm. you know you it was like a 
fearful, you know, and uh, dangerous. It's, it was made to be such a horrible thing. Yeah, for 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 decades there was a what a campaign of of, of misinformation that exactly. went I mean, that for for literally seventy years. When when was the the uh, um, the act? The marijuana criminalization act. I think right. it was in the like early thirties or something. Right. And now Jack Jack Herer. Herer? Jack Herer. Yeah. 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 He when he wrote that book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, mm. about about the marijuana history. That, that I thought that was a revealing thing. Yeah, it's a brilliant book. Uh, Jack passed away a few years ago, um, but he was a real smart man, and I think that that book still, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, is probably the go-to book if you really want to know about the history of hemp uh, and cannabis in not just this country but uh, around the world and it's really re- real eye-opener for sure but but the thing that really uh, I mean I, I was learning those things along the way and, but what really um, what really uh, uh, opened my eyes was the information that human people have receptors for cannabinoid right mm, yeah it's part of part of our neural makeup exactly it's our neural makeup and then it dawned on me one day oh okay that makes sense because we had to do all the bloody work that was involved in harvesting that stuff and making you know rope and sell cloth and rigging so they could go out and have war you know? that's right it was a big big part of it for sure <laughs> it was the, the original military industrial complex and, <laughs> The people who did all the work were not machines because they were just our families, weavers and farmers. Way, yeah, all the way back to our. So every all the humans were we were like intertwined with them because of that fact that we developed those because we were associated with the resins and all the all the other chemical makeup of the hemp plant itself. We you know, evolved with it. Even even um, sort of phraseology that we use, like uh, we we use metaphors of weaving for like telling stories we uh, you know and we, we use cloth metaphors for a lot of things i imagine people sitting around fires you know in, in in the old days and telling stories while they were weaving hemp and i think that's probably you know has something to do with the fact that that's what we we still associate storytelling with you know he, he wove a great story or you know things like that there's a there's a, some other uh, you know examples like that but i'm i'm sure that it's uh, it's it's in in the in our nature you know the the um the aspects of oh yeah well i guess what a, a point that i had thought of that I, i'm almost certain is probably the reality because all the medicines that were made with him mm. with during the 1800s how yeah. it evolved as a medicine yeah i mean just through the exposure to being exposed to it as people who work with it all the time i think people realize that they benefited from it you know physically just the handling etc yeah, yeah and yeah. like just like all plants were valued for their different uh, positives mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and so it, that's why it was used in medicine as much as it was in 1800 well it's a that's an interesting story and, and and a remarkable one that may be coming back around you know there's a there's quite a bit of forward movement in, in the right direction i think we'll have to see what missouri does um this year with regard to medical cannabis and and recreational eventually but and but commercial the, too right and commercial i mean i mean uh certainly uh for for a state like missouri i mean a crop like hemp i mean it's a that's a, that's a cash crop that'll grow anywhere and it's real good for the soil it's real good for a lot of things you can grow it without pesticides i mean there's a lot of advantages to growing that uh, not to mention what you can do with it once once it's grown so uh yeah, hopefully, hopefully these laws are 
armor start, starting to change. And and I'd gotten a, a seed drill for you drill wheat with in the field. You know, the, you put the seeds tightly, tight rows of seeds. Mm-hmm. And in the, one of the settings under the flap in the back of the seed drill, where you put the grains and stuff, it had a it had a designation for how to set up the seed drill for hemp. Is that right? Yeah. Huh, I'll be darned. Well, it was it, it was something that that back in the day, if you had over a certain amount of land you were actually required to, to, to grow hemp right. i mean it was a it was a legal requirement that the government enforced if you had i forget what the acreage was but um really interesting that it went from something that was so uh necessary and uh and and accepted as just part of life to something that was completely demonized and and taken off the table completely for for so many years Indeed. Well, okay, let's talk about uh, you a little bit more. Um, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that uh, I've always sort of had this image of you as a traveling uh, troubadour type of guy, but uh, you also have a pretty interesting skill set. You're, you're a really talented carpenter. You can do electric. You can, you're a mechanic. Uh, you can make anything run if, uh, if it's not running. And if you can't fix it, I'd say throw it away. Uh, so let, let, let us know a little bit more about how you kind of got to uh, playing music on the road, but also uh, doing the, the trades that you do. I, I think that tr- the, the doing the stuff um, comes from being a part of the Missouri farming culture uh-huh and so i think people who who've well my family were, were low income and and uh, they got by by fixing everything they had and repairing it and basically making do you know with uh, by using their tools yeah and and uh, like i say we, we've we've moved into sort of a throwaway culture in a lot of in, in a lot of ways but um i think many people myself included uh you know, haven't been forced, uh, you know, by circumstances to, you know, if something breaks, you can't just throw it away and, uh, and go get a new one. You got to figure out a way to make that thing work. So I, I think I was challenged by that too. I think, I think my, I, my, uh, <clears throat> aptitude for mechanical skills was high on testing. So I think natural, I had a natural, yeah, for sure. Like goes along with just being art, artistic or, you know, being able to, so it kind of went along with that, with the music and everything else. I think just it was kind of, there's an art form to everything. That's true. Yeah, when you're really good at something, it's an art, and maybe even when you're not good at. It. But uh, um, we make we make twisted cord at the factory that I work at, and it sounds so simple, but but it's there's an art to it, you know, when when you really get down to it. So yeah, you know, you're that line of uh, manufacturing could be. Incorporated, I mean, we get hemp involved with the brain. <laughs> well, it, it was for many, for many, many years. I yeah. Did now, you, did you, does that company have a history of doing rope for a long time? Well, our our company's been doing it since about 1945 or so, just after World War II. And the hemp was already hemp was already off the table by then. Um, and most of our products are made out of, and still, uh, back then, you know, cotton was sort of took over um but now they use polyester uh rayon uh even some sort of high-tech fibers like kevlar carbon fiber fiberglass and some some exotic things that i won't go into but you know like like anything it's uh, there's there's more to it than, than than you might think you know and it keeps the world running anywhere there's a belt or a hose you know and you have power transmission you know you're you're, you're talking cord 
that goes in into the guts of those things to, to keep them strong so sure what um how'd you become a carpenter because uh, you've done some great carpentry work around around columbia and in fact at my own home which i appreciate uh how'd you learn how to work with wood i i uh found it hard to have take a, a regular job but i realized that um by doing that kind of work you have more of your own time you can mm. do it on your own you know and use your own judgment without and and still make it a decent day wage so um so i so i started learning just started fixing things for people and doing projects and then i went then i was in uh, chicago for a spell working for a rehab contractor there and learned a lot about the fundamentals and stuff it's, yeah it's also something you can do wherever you go right right yeah you kind of take it with you well, um, music-wise, you've you've traveled around and played music all over the place. Now, um, give us give me some stories from the road. In the uh, '80s, uh, by being up around Madison, I met some people who were forming a version of songs for freedom and struggle that Pete Seeger did out mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a Midwest version called Midwest People's Music Network, and so I was able to go visit. Uh, uh, gatherings with other songwriter players uh, during the 80s and I, that would get me up in Chicago or up in Minneapolis and Kansas City and places like that you know we'd have a meeting at least once a year once a summer and so on mm-hmm. so. so it was relatively organized and yeah it was it was a, a positive thing for everybody it got everybody in touch through a through a a letter for you know like a, a a news letter and a networking letter so that that helped me get more involved with being in different places and and uh, when i went to when i got involved with chicago in the 90s i had uh, late 80s and and early 90s i met started playing open stages and um and uh, that got me more involved with me on a regular basis and I it was hard for me because I'm a pretty introverted person normally and um, but it was helping me realize you know, that I could reach a, a point I just wanted it to be second nature hmm. so I, that's what I was shooting for I think that's how we met wasn't it I mean it had to be something associated with one of those open mic nights at, at, at the fugue yeah. or something like yes, that it, yeah it was huh yeah well how did you get here to Columbia uh, in 76 I had uh, inherited, I played a group called Deacon Jack up in Kirksville, mm-hmm. and uh, friends of mine, we all had gotten an old personnel carrier, or kind of a, like a panel truck, only it was stretched out to be like a limousine style. I mean, you know, a big, long, extended <laughs> panel truck that, you know, it was used as a, per, as a bus service to Quincy from Kirksville. And we traveled in that as a group, and we actually went up and played at Rockford one time. Really? We backed up uh, Ariel Speedwagon up there. And <laughs> those guys had met Ariel Speedwagon when they played in Kirksville. And they got a connection. And we, and when I was with the group, we went up there to uh, play before them, open for them. Well, that is, I, I, what year was that? Because there's Waver- a chance I was at that show. Waverly Beach is the name of the place it was at. It was like a roller skate by uh, Waterway, I think. Huh, huh. In, in the mid-70s? 
That, yeah, that would be in mid-70s, yeah. Man, yeah, I remember, you know, we had REO Speedway, and we come up there a lot. They were from uh, Champaign, Illinois, and the band Sticks, if people remember them. They, they were from the same era and, and uh, area, and we'd, we'd see all those guys often enough. Um, remember Cheap Trick? Uh-huh. Um, Cheap Trick, another band that grew up, uh, or that I grew up with, actually, in Rockford, Illinois. Those guys made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, I think. But, I like those guys. Oh, yeah, I used to, I, I used to trade... Uh, pizzas and ice cream with uh, Robin Zander and, and Rick Nielsen back in the old days. <laughs> Very cool. What, uh, what, uh, let's see. Let's, um, I'm looking at the clock here. We got about 20 minutes. So I'm going to have you play another song and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more before we, uh, get ready to head out of here. Okay. Okay. All right. What do you got for us? Uh, it's called whole earth blues. Whole earth blues. I wrote this after a, a um, it was a back in the 69 I think and it was when the, we were having a there was a the, the American Black Colle- Collegiate organization up in Kirksville mm-hmm. had a sit-in at one of the buildings in Kirksville just over you know the issues of don't you know don't remember in specific but I just know that it was a I sat in and you know and I, I went and kind of observed it saw all my black friends hanging out there and doing that and um, so it inspired me just to do this to write this song basically just about how people are are being socially engineered to oppose one another and mm-hmm. I'm not you know I'm not saying anything in specific but I just mean in general it's uh it's just a song basically to reach out all right fantastic this is uh, all right bartholomew bean kopn columbia 89.5 fm Well, the world can know 
and all my brothers do need our help just to help one another oh yeah just come to know it and I hope we can show it that the love in our hearts is to share Fantastic. All right. Uh, back in a minute. You're listening to KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. And uh, this is Open Mic Radio. And we've got Bartholomew Bean in the studio. A couple more songs probably coming up in just a few minutes, but uh, a little bit of business here. Ride radio range from bluff top to river bottom. It's the flora and the fauna of the state of Missouri and everything in between. Only here on your community radio station, KOPN, noon to 3 p.m. on Sundays. Ride with the radio ranger and the pygmy pony. That's KOPN, Columbia, your listener-sponsored community radio station, 89.5 FM. That's right. Catch the Radio Ranger <clears throat> every Sunday from noon to three. Fantastic radio here on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. And you're listening to it here on a beautiful Friday morning. It's going to be hot today, but 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 sunny. So uh, for everybody who's going to be uh, getting ready for First Friday and Art in the Park is coming up this weekend, uh, it's going to be warm out there, but but a but the weather looks like it's going to be really good. And uh, I hope everybody gets involved, or at least a lot of people 
get out and about and show up for some really great stuff going on in Columbia this uh, this weekend. My friend Diana's in the studio with us too. I think um, Diana, why don't you grab a mic real fast and we'll we'll talk about art in the park for a second here. Bean, you're still on the air too, so you can say hi to Diana. Hi, Diana. Hey, Bean. There you are. Um, Diana, what is your, uh, for those unfamiliar, Diana hosts a program called Speaking of the Arts, which comes on right uh, immediately after this program. And uh, so she'll be, uh, I'm guessing, maybe talking about Art in the Park this week? We will be talking about Art in the Park this week. Yes, I've got I've got the one of the organizers, Louise Sava, who's the operations manager for uh, Columbia Art League and Art in the Park. She'll be here for the first half of the show. Great. And then we'll have three of the artists who are going to be at Art in the Park this weekend who will be here. So we'll be talking talking about art and, show. and these are uh, like visual artists or musician type artists so painters or all visual artists uh, visual artists yep. okay yeah all right well, um w- what's the details of art in the park it's all weekend or it's all weekend today is setup day so everyone is already down there volunteering and getting all the artists into the park and then uh for the public it's 10 till 5 tomorrow on saturday okay. and 10 till 4 on sunday and and at peace park Stevens Lake Park. Stevens Lake Park. Mm-hmm. So there is parking over the weekend in the Boone Hospital parking lot. They let us use their parking lot for the weekend. So awesome. you can park there and there's little shuttles that run around and drop people off down at the park. So, uh, yeah, and it, it does get full. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that come down. I always recommend people to come early because, you know, there's only one of everything. Mm. Everything is handmade. So if you really want the best choice, right. then get down there early on Saturday. What, um, how long have they been doing art in the park? Is this, this is the 60th year. Six zero? Yeah. 1959 was year one. No kidding. So this is 60. Uh-huh. I had no idea it had been going on that long. Yeah, it's always been uh, by organized by the Columbia Art League, but it's been in so many locations around the city. Yeah. Fantastic, though. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be listening when you talk to the gang here in a few minutes. All right. Great. Thank you. Okay. Um, Bartholomew Bean back on the air with you, my friend. Uh, I've made a big note here on my piece of paper, and it says Lee Ruth. Um, I would like you to talk a little bit about your relationship with Lee, how you guys met, and just, uh, I don't know, a little bit about him. He's, he's, he's been an icon uh, here at the station and in Columbia for many, many years. And uh, I know you guys are, are friends and have a little history. Yeah, I met Lee in uh, 76. I had taken that airport limousine d- truck, panel truck, and, and dedicated it to the bicentennial. I, I wrote the Declaration of Independence on one side, and, uh, and then the other side I had some questions about corporate ethics. So, but, it, but, it, but I did it on a trip to take my neighbors down to Florida, down to Melbourne, Florida, and then on the way, when I was in Melbourne, I wrote the Declaration on one side and put bicentennial bus on the top of it, and then... And then, um, and then when I went to Atlanta to visit another friend on the way back, I wrote all the questions about corporate, corporate morals, ethics, and oh gosh, so that's an, I hope you you probably had to write really small. I, you well, I mean, it was it was a big buzz, but <laughs> and nobody could read it. I mean, it was just it was just written on there. It was a, uh, I mean, I, I didn't I thought. You know, the hippie buses and all the colors and all that were going sure. on. I just, I had more interest in getting some information across. So. <laughs> and I didn't, there wasn't any internet, so what else could I do? That's right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so how'd you come across Lee? So on the way back, I, uh, had, I went down to Stevens Farm. I went to Atlanta. I went to Stevens Farm in Tennessee. And uh, a lot of people there were needing a ride back toward St. Louis and Columbia. So I had like 14 people in my empty personnel carrier coming back <laughs> and um, so went, went to St. Louis came into Columbia and I had played at the Shea 
uh, one other time, and I went there, and I was visiting with them about the possibility of maybe playing some music there. Mm-hmm. And I walked, but I knew K.O. Piano just kind of had like a couple years in the works, mm-hmm. and I asked. Well, I saw I saw a guy with in a wheelchair that had flames on the side of it. You know, had like those cars on flames on the cars. Right, right. So he had his wheelchair, but he had flames painted on it. And so I was talking to him about that. And he says, awesome. "Well, well, I I do a show on KLPN too." And so, so I said, "Well, are there any any music shows that have people come on and play, like live music?" And he says, uh, "Yeah, you should uh, get a hold of Lee Ruth." Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's what I did. I went up to. I'll be darned. Up to the station, came up here to the station and uh, met someone I knew from Kirksville, Danny Novager. He was hanging out here, uh-huh. and, uh, and then asked around about Lee, and they gave me a phone number, and I called him and visited with him. And next thing you know, he had me come on, uh, probably about that same time period. I, I forget, but yeah, it was about the same time period when I was in town. Right then, it was spring. You know, May, May, June of uh, 1976. Hmm, interesting. Well, KLPN's kind of still like that. Yeah, it's a place you never know who you're going to run into, and there's a lot of connections made up here, and it's kind of a nexus of uh, a whole bunch of intersections of different types of people, styles of people, uh, interests, and uh, uh, just diverse group that kind of comes and goes from, from, from in and out of this place. It is. I'm 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 flashing back to maybe 2007 or 2006 when when uh, you and I w- uh, were first uh, getting to know one another and I'm and I know you had uh, I had you on my earlier program a couple times and we we played music and and uh, and talked about stuff and this has been uh, a great reminiscence of that and and I, I really appreciate you coming down and and chatting for a little bit i think it's great you get you're back on the air good, well I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it i appreciate it bart you want to play one more for us yeah i will do that i'll um song i've done before but i'll do it I, people ask for this song it's called in the land of the giant midgets in the land of the giant midgets all right you're listening to it here on open mic radio kopn columbia 89.5 <laughs> fm this is bartholomew bean I 
was in the land of the giant midgets Where the government did play a funny joke They told all the people there, yes That what they do was fair, yes Then they let the wealthy steal from the common If you ever feel you dream of giant midgets I think you'll find they're easy to see They appear so grand and tall, yes Because they own and control it all, yes But inside where it matters they seem so very I did not dream of giant midgets My head it aches, I lose my appetite Most of the people on the street yes, Think that they are so neat yes. Sometimes I fear our friends are short of sight Well, the giant midgets, the giant midgets aren't very loose, but they sure are rigid. The giant midgets, the giant midgets aren't very warm, but they sure are frigid. Midgets to giant midgets, count all the money and twelve fifty digits. The giant midgets to giant midgets, destroy the earth, never do fix it. Oh, the giant midgets to giant midgets aren't very loose, but they sure are rigid. The giant midgets to giant midgets aren't very warm, but they sure are frigid. The giant midgets to giant midgets count all the money in twelve fifty digits. The giant midgets, the giant midgets destroy the earth, never do fix it. Oh yes. Uh huh. Oh my. Ruben. And in this last scene we see the giant midgets walking hand in hand off into the sunset. Goodbye! Don't come back. Sworn sort of slipped and fell there, but he'll make it okay. Why, heck, he could live in a cardboard box, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Bartholomew Bean, everybody, and uh, Bean, once again, I appreciate you coming down. My pleasure, Mike. All right, take care. Have a great weekend. Maybe I'll see you out uh, later tonight, okay? Sounds good.
Sounds good. All right. All right, everybody. I'm going to close out here. We're going to put a little piece of music on as we transition over to Speaking of the Arts. Trevor's in the house. Diana is in the studio getting ready for her guests. And uh, so I'm going to say goodbye. This is one last song called The Ballad of John and Susie Doe. And you're listening to it on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. This has been Open Mic Radio. The man's a child on my grandpa's feet. He tells me stories about the ship at sea. He bounced me up, he turned me around. He tipped me over, he tumbled me down, and I'm a rockin'. Rockin' in a little bit about Singing and a slow rock hoppin'. Rockin' all day long. Rockin' in a roller be boppin', singin' and a show drop hoppin', rockin' all day long. Well, me and Susie, we got kinda sweet, rode our bicycle down the street, to the stairway at the school, took it on down, we were bound to fools, and we were rockin', rockin' in a roller be boppin', singin' and a show drop hoppin', rockin' all day long. Rocking all life long.